Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today I'm taking a trip out to Heart's Delight Islington to have a chat with noted boat builder and snowshoe maker Edwin Bishop. I chat with Edwin about his love of getting out into the woods and how that influenced his decision to start making snowshoes in the traditional manner. I like in the woods, even if I just go in, sit down, look around, or have a little walk. But I always like to go in doing a little bit of rabbit hunting. I was a woodcutter most of my life. I had a sawmill for more than 30 years, so I spent a lot of time cutting logs and stuff like that. But just as a hobby, I like to walk in the woods a lot, and especially in the winter. I used to set out a few snares, and I'd go out while walking into my snare pack with my snowshoes on. And then I, I came to to the realization that uh, walking around with snowshoes on itself was just a lot of fun. Sometimes I'd uh, have to merge the trail along with me with her skis, but uh, more often than not, I'd, I'd go off on my snowshoes because it took me to places that she couldn't get with the skis. And then I just uh, tramped around. Sunday afternoons was one of my favorite times. I just uh, uh, had, had dinner with her and the kids, and then after dinner, usually if we weren't going somewhere, I just take my snowshoes and trench off in the woods for a couple of hours and come back around for supper. Lots of adventures on the way, too. When you were growing up, did lots of people have snowshoes? Uh, I didn't pay too much heed to it when I was growing up, but I know that uh, I used to go in the woods with, with Dad a lot, and I used to go in with my brothers a lot. I can't ever remember Dad, Dad with a pair of snowshoes. I can remember seeing some old snowshoes hanging around the, the house, had different ones, like I had lots of brothers. I had seven, six brothers besides myself, and they were all older. So, but but I didn't see, I didn't see where they depended on snowshoes a whole lot. Now, uh, other people did, like uh, just up the road here and out the road, there was a couple of fishermen that had married uh, girls from down in in the northern peninsula area, like Raleigh and Saint Anthony, stuff like that, and they learned how to tie snowshoes down there from from their their in-laws and stuff, and they. They've made lots of snowshoes. There was a little, little fellow off the road there called Nimshaw Workman. He was pretty famous for tying snowshoes. So I, I, knew, I knew about that when I was young, but I, I, I never used them myself, not until I was an older teenager and then working around that myself, cutting my own firewood and stuff like that. I found I couldn't do without a pair of snowshoes. You go up on a, on the skidoo or the, I never had a skidoo, but you go up on the, uh, on the quad or the old truck or something and, you get into a wood patch and it's hard to move around a wood patch without having at least a, some kind of something on your feet. You, I used to find an old pair of beer piles. Of, at one time, I can remember, I even cut out some circles out of a piece of plywood and, and put a strap on them and used to stamp around my wood pile and stuff like that. When I realized about snowshoes, I really got into it. I think I, think I, I really got interested when my son was a... My older son was a... A young teenager, and I bought them a set for Christmas. And they were they were an adult size set of set of set of shoes. He didn't use them a whole lot, so I started using them. And I think that's where I I just remembered that that then that, that's where I kind of got into it myself then. So who made those snowshoes? Uh, those were bought from uh, probably Outdoor Hut or somewhere Canadian Tire Outdoor Hut or something like that. They were you know a factory made snowshoe. They right. were rawhide made out of wood. Beaver tail. Who was it that you started to learn 
from? Like when you started to to start making your own snowshoes? When I started to make my own snowshoes, like uh, I got I got an old pair there now that that I I found somewhere, and I start using them in the woods and the, the lace would wear out or the lace would break. And I had a nephew, uh, Bill Bill Bishop. He, he lives in Whitburn now, and uh, he learned how to tie them from this old guy named Shy Workman. That was like. Bill learned how to do that when he was a teenager because, like, I, I went away to Whitburn to live, but he stayed home and he lived with his father and him up there until he was old enough to go away to work. And he used to go out to the shed with the old fellow, and that's who taught him how to tie snowshoes. So I, I learned a nice bit off Bill, but then basically after that I just picked it up on my own until I learned to tie my own shoes and then... From then it was soft after the race has gone down. <laughs> you were telling me a story about how you had uh, tried and tried to do the the tying, and then it all just kind of clicked yeah, at one point. Back back and forth between you know, like I got to the point where I used to uh, Bill Bishop. He's my nephew, and we used to call him Junior. So I'd be back and forth, Junior. Junior, I need a little bit of twine, or or can you fix this uh, snowshoe for me? You know, he said, "Here, I'll give you a bit of twine. Go home, learn how to do it yourself." And he, he kept, uh, you know, he helped me all he could, but he kind of, uh, I, I don't know the, the reason. Sometimes I think it's because he didn't want me to learn how to do it. <laughs> but he'd say, go off and do it yourself. So then I got that old set of frames, and I go there, and I, I start tying. And this particular time, I go down in the basement in the night. We had a, we had a little rec room downstairs in our house in Whitburn. And, and Marge and my sister was there. And I was down, typical night down they were watching TV or something. I was down uh, cursing and tying snowshoes and trying to learn all I could, getting frustrated. So this, this particular night, I got at this pair of snowshoes, and, and the weave was was coming along pretty good. Every now and again, I'd have to go back and untie a little bit. But geez, later later on in the night, getting into the wee, that wee hours of the morning, the, the pattern, I could start to see the pattern coming, coming, coming. Every time I pulled it on across, the pattern coming. And all of a sudden, it just flashed right in front of my eyes. There was the, the bar coming up. The string was going all the right way. I was looking at the weaves, and the weaves were off it. And then all of a sudden, when I pulled her through, everything came together. And I, oh, gee, I, you know, just, I found it now. I know how to tie a snowshoe. <laughs> but, uh, and you said you, you yelled out. Yes, I yelled out. To, <laughs> I yelled out to the top of my voice, and I said, I got the son of a gun done. <laughs> I finally got him done. And my sister and marriage come running down. What are you shouting about? This is only three or four o'clock in the morning. What are you up to? <laughs> and then we, we all had a great laugh as well. Walk me through the process. So if you're gonna if you're gonna start from scratch, well, where would you start? First of all, you got like I, I tie several kinds of snowshoes. But if I was in the beginning, it was only beer paws or or a small beaver tail. I never did like the, the steel ones. Most most people like my my nephew. He makes one now. The steel ones are for the working man going in the woods with his, his squad and his skidoo to work. Steel beer pods is probably more functional than the ones that I make. But, you know, like, I look at a snowshoe, it's kind of like looking at a boat. It, it got to look, it got to look something as well as, as, as work, right? You go in, go in the woods, you pick a nice, nice straight juniper, and then you, you, you either chop them in strips or sand. Like, I, I was lucky I had a sawmill. And I'd, I'd saw it out in, in strips, and then I'd take it to my table saw them, saw them up to, up to about 30-something uh, inches long. And then I'd, I'd have them about uh, three-quarters of an inch, inch by five-eighths of an inch. Now, 
sawing is not the best way to do a snowshoe because they they got a tendency to break easier. Snowshoe wood should be chopped and plain and, and whatever. So then then you uh, you make up a mold for the you got to have a, a mold shape whatever whatever shape your snowshoe is going to be, and then you uh, you rig up some some kind of a, a rig that could, you can steam the wood in. So I, I did an awful lot of steam with all liquid kettles. So I make up, uh, get, get my steam, uh, bend, the, bend the wood around the, the mole, uh, tie, it, tie it and se- or secure it somehow and leave it for a day or something, then take it off, and then it was, uh, was the shape was there. Then you got to cut, then you got to cut notches in them for, for your little cross pieces going, going across. And then, then when you get your notches fitted, then you, then you got to put the screws or bolts in to keep the, the whole frame together. And then you uh, start, then you get your twine out. It's very difficult because to make a good snowshoe, I usually try to make them in one piece. So you're talking about handling a piece of string to make your weave in and out of the snowshoe. And that piece of string is at least 70 feet long. So every time, Every time you're pulling, every time you're pulling through from from one side to the other, you're 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 wrapping your your twine, you're tying your knot. Then you got to pull that seventy. Every time you make a knot, you got to pull that seventy feet of string through. And then, if you're going to have a join certainly, then you have to to tie a knot. I usually I usually try to find a place behind a bar somewhere to tie a knot, so that it all always looks like one piece anyway. So. Then, then when you get it all tied, you got to reinforce the, the hole where your toe is going down because that's that's the part that takes all the wear. Then you make up a harness, put it on, and give her a try. Twenty hours later, <laughs> you make it sound so simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It is after you get at it. It's, it it yeah. turns out it seems simple, but like I told you earlier, if I if I was to start up a pair of snowshoes here right now. I'd probably have to spend an hour teaching myself again how to how to make sure that I, I'm going to start off right. And, and you get down to the bottom and you pull around the bar and you say, okay, is this an under turn here or is this a left turn or is this a right turn? And you know, sometimes if you if you leave it alone for a while, it, uh, you gotta gotta take just to make sure because it, it all depends on the, the twist that you put in the line. Or the, the half hitch or the double half hitch that you put around the bar because when you come up to the last two or three times when your when your mesh comes together goes up and down or goes across if you miss one two hours back or an hour back then you've got on toy all again but you're going to have a snowshoe that somewhere in is going to have a little hole right so now some sometimes if you're doing it just for hurrying the woods or something you say what the hell is no hands but you know, like most of my snowshoes, I did them to sell to people and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to be particular with it, right? When you're talking about the, the line, what kind of line are you using now? I, I use dragger twine. Dragger twine, and, uh, okay. Usually, uh, there's, uh, I use two sizes. I use a two millimeter line for the, uh, the toes and, uh, and the heels, and I use a four millimeter line for the body. Now, there's, there's terms for that, too. The, the little, the, they're, they're called, uh, uh, Babish and Tibish, and there's all kinds of names on it, but I don't use the names because I only happen to know it because I read it in a book somewhere. So, you know, look, like the one is called, the bigger one is called a Babish, and the other one's called Tibish. And then there's 
there's garnishes and there's crossfires and like a garnish just to just to show you what I mean by a garnish. A garnish is this little string that goes it's a little string that goes around the outside so you you hook hook your uh, your your toes and heels don't usually go around the frame. <laughs> so the garnish is a string that goes around the frame to hook your your you're latching into from from that right and you have a pair here that has moose hide people would have used a, a leather for yeah. the for the weaving right There's a lot of uh, in in Newfoundland as far as i can recall and and what i found out from people uh, most of the lacing was done with seal hide okay yeah that's uh, that i guess where it was easy easy to come across and like the old tall fellows around here and learn how to tie on the Labrador. Well, in the Mutai or Caribou hide, but in the lumber woods, they've often they even used horse hide. Like if they if they had a horse that uh, succumbed to some kind of an accident or something like that, they'd probably save the hide. And and they say some old fellows say horse hide was one of the best things ever that you can make noses out. see what you try to do, you try to find stuff that don't stretch very good. Uh, seal hide. According to, to what I've learned, seal hide is very, very stretchy. Now, I found, I found of the snowshoes that I made, I don't think any hide is any better than the, than the dragger. Right. The dragger twine don't soak up any water, and it's tough, and it's strong, and it's easy to replace, right? I mean, you can get, you can go up for, for eight, eight or nine dollars, you can get enough dragger twine to probably make four sets of snowshoes. So you know it's, it's it's cheap and it's easy to use, and it, and it joins easy because you can burn it with a lighter. You can tie not burn ends with a lighter, and you never pull apart. So when you're working with a, a natural material, then doing the weave, uh, like how long a piece are you working with then? Because you're not going to get a seventy foot no, piece of leather, no, you know. No, no you, you you with the with the hide, you'll end up using shorter pieces. Yeah, but the hide is easier to join too. See because. What you do with the hide, where, where, where you get your two ends, you, you put a slit in each end and then you pull them through like a trout line. So you don't have time in a knot. Right. And you understand what I mean? You, so there's you, just you, a tension you, through the loop a, that yeah, holds it together. You, you put it, it's almost like threading a needle. Yeah. So that, that way, again, your, your piece is maybe 20 feet long. But it's still, you will need 70 feet of it or 80 feet of it. But you can keep adding on to the end. You can keep adding on to the hide. Yeah. And then with the hide, um, the one you have here, it's then coated with something when it's finished. Spar varnish. You put spar varnish on it, yeah. Yeah. And does that preserve the leather? Yes, it does. It preserves the leather and it keeps it waterproof too, as well. Another thing I use sometimes, I'll buy uh, linseed oil and I'll uh, mix it with a uh, a little bit of furnace oil or something that thin it down a little bit, and then I, I coat them with linseed oil too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that linseed oil works real good. But if you use it, if you use it too raw, it it, it don't dry. You know, like your snowshoes is always a little bit sticky, and you wouldn't wear your Sunday clothes with them on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you've got three different styles of uh, snowshoes that. You have here. So you're talking about the bear paw and the beaver bear tail. And the beaver tail. So now, what's the difference? The bear paw is, is bear kind paw of is just a round, round or oval. Yeah. Oval shoe. It doesn't have a tail. No, it doesn't have a tail. It's and then a, it's almost the shape of an egg. It's an oval, oval piece, right? Right. And then the beaver tail. The beaver tail is rounded is at the a, front. Is uh, rounded at the front, 
and got a, a, a tail or six or eight inch tail. The longer the tail, from what, from what I've been told and what the experience I got myself, the longer the tail, the better they are for traveling over the snow. Because your, your, your snowshoe, you don't have to lift them right off the ground. You usually, some of your snowshoe is always on the ground, on the ground meaning snow, of course. Okay, and then the third style you have here, the is longest. is an Ojibwa. That's, and that, a, that's an Indian style from uh, from different different Indian, North American Indian tribes. They, they use the Ojibwa a lot. And the Ojibwa has been pointed at both ends. Yes, pointed at both ends, and usually they're turned up a little bit on the front. Right. Make them like a, a skidoo or a ski kind of uh, thing. For so now what's the what's the benefit of the different styles? Well, the benefit of the beer piles is... Uh, the way I use a pair of beer, beer piles, or the way I think most people use them, so they they carry them on their quads and their skidoos as an emergency, in, in case an emergency. Like I, I'd say, just people who have snowshoes, beer piles, especially on their on their quads and their skidoos, that never goes on their feet because they if their skidoo don't break down, they just they're hunky dory, they're great. But uh, if you're in the woods, like most Newfoundlanders are in cotton firewood and stuff like that. And as you know, we, we have lots of snow. So you go into a drop of woods, and you, if you want to, you know, it's pretty hard cutting logs or wood, and if you're up to your knees or up to your thighs in, in snow. So, you know, a, a pair of bear piles is really good for tramping down snow around your wood or, or moving from between your, your vehicle or your, your ATV and your, and your wood pile. And even when you're in your wood pile, sometimes if it's a lot of snow, most people don't do it, but you can actually keep them on your feet because they're they're not long. But a, a pair of beaver tails and that is is pretty hard to manage if you were in cotton wood because they're 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 taking up too much space. You you trip them over yourself and stuff like that. But with beer piles, now the beaver tail is is kind of a, a more for traveling. Like if you're if you're going if you're going in looking at rabbits or something like that, and you're going. In a, in a fairly long path or across an arch or across the barrens, then the beaver tail is the best. But if you really want to get out and do some real serious traveling, whether you, you whether you got to or whether you just want to do it for a hobby, then I find with my experience and from what I've read, the Ojibwa is a really, really great traveling snowshoe. It really gets you over the top of the snow pretty easy. Yeah. And in my experience, they're, they're fabulous, marvelous for that. Yeah. Uh, Really, really fun. You, I, you know, and I, we were having a conversation before, and, and I said that to me seems counterintuitive because they're so much longer than the others. Mm. But you said that they actually function almost more like a ski. Yes, they do. Yeah, that, that, that period that I got there that I'm showing you, 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 you especially, I, I, I like to use them with a pair of uh, uh, ski, ski poles. And, and Jibo, you can, you can almost run with them on your feet. Yeah. And they're a bit yeah. narrower too. And they're, they're they're narrower, yeah. Like uh, I, th- I think I make mine around between uh, nine and, 11, and eleven inches wide. Right. And they're about uh, forty. I've, I have made them up to fifty-two inches long. Yeah. Yeah. So and be, then tell me about the the harnesses, like what you what you put your your boot harnesses. into. When when I, I I usually make my own harnesses whenever whenever I could. If I get the material, I like to make my own harness. Uh, back a few years ago, I made harnesses out of out of real real leather. I buy a, a a part of a cowhide from from a little craft store that I found over in the Carbonari area, and I cut my own leather and I buy my own buckles, 
and uh, I'd make my own uh, harness, but I, I'd always copy them off a pattern, like a factory. I, I don't know, I think probably the first one I ever copied was off a Canadian tire set or something like that, but then I just uh, uh, improved them a little bit to fit my own own requirements and stuff like that, and I made them comfortable and strong, and, and they're, they're marvelous. Now, uh, I have, like the old fellows years ago, they made all their own harnesses out of, usually they used to make them out of the tops of old uh, uh, Logans. You know, when I'm talking about the Logan, old leather top boots with the... With the rubber with foot? The, with the rubber foot, and you get the, the last two or three seconds with the lacing holes on them. You take the leg off the top of the Logan, you cut off and put four holes. Say there was eight, eight holes there, you get to... You get two sets of harnesses because you all you needed was enough to fit back over your toe, and the, and the hole was already there to tie the lace in the way to go, <laughs> and you just uh, cut a hole in the ladder and tie a little bit of string around your bar and you, and the way to go. Yeah. See, with snowshoes too, I, I was surprised. Like, I had some friends that had snowshoes. I had one one particular friend, and he spent a lot of times in in the woods. So, I happened to say to him one day. I was going in the woods with him. I said, we're going to need to take our snowshoes today. He's going to be with snow in there. Jeez, he said, I said, you got snowshoes, do you? He said, I got snowshoes, but I'm not putting them on, he said. And I said, well, he said, because every time I put some on, I'm facing always down the snow. I can't stand up in them on. And I said, you got to be doing something wrong then. So I went over went over to his shed. You, you notice, if you got any idea of snowshoes at all, there's a bar across the front, and there's a, then there's a, a leather or or twine bar, but trains back from that with a hole. That hole is for your toe of your boot hinging back and forth. Right, your toe wants to go yes. down into that yes. hole. So, but he had his harnesses put on the bar. Okay. So he couldn't lift his feet because the bar was always in the way. So right. every time he lifted his feet, he had to lift the whole snowshoe. So he was stripping <laughs> up all the time. Yeah. And I said, "Jeez, uh, give me, let me fix that for you. Fix it." I said, "No, put him on his feet now. Go for a walk." Couldn't believe it, <laughs> and he was using them like an his leg break. <laughs> but you okay. need that. You need yeah. that freedom That's of movement. It's like a hinge, right? A hinge, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, and so you've got to have it the right size for your boot too, because if it's, uh, I don't know if you can actually make them too big, but you can certainly make them too small. When you look at a pair of snowshoes, can you tell what what's a good pair and what's a bad pair? Yeah, I pretty well can. Yeah. So what makes a bad pair of snowshoes? Uh, being too wide. You know, that's, you know, that's to me, to with the experience that I've had and what I've had to use them for. Now, somebody else might say, but but for what I use them for, I need them as wide as I can get them. So, but, but for me, long long and narrow, turned up a little bit on the toe, and and a good harness. So, 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 you know, you gotta, you got to have a good harness. If you don't have a good harness, you're not going to have any fun snowshoeing, mm-hmm. not at all. Now, there's, there's so many harnesses that native people that used to use that I wouldn't be able to get my brain around. They even have bottom on my feet because they're, they only just look like a piece of string, but they, they had a knack of they, they put their toe, they put their toe in, they twist their foot a certain way and the string would wrap around their feet and was like, like me and you putting on our mitts. <laughs> so, you know, like, but for me, and most common around here is, uh, no, and for me too, it's got to be made out of wood. You know, like 
Although I do have to admit that if I was only just looking for a pair of snowshoes, went around my wood pile and tramps around cutting a few logs, I'd probably settle down with a pair of beer piles made of steel. They're they're tough. They're they're a bit heavy, but they're they're tough and they're they're good for doing your work. But when you when you're going out traveling or hiking or wanting to have a bit of fun, then go for a nice wooden snowshoe that's a little bit narrow, turned up a bit on the front, and got a long, nice long beaver tail on it. Hmm. That's 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 for me. You were saying there's of the snowshoes that you have here. There's two different kinds of wood that that yes. you've made them out of. Yes. Most people, most snowshoes in Newfoundland would be made out of birch, but the uh, uh, juniper is so much. It's it's there's thousands of juniper around. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get them nice and clear, but you, if you get some juniper, they're really easy to steam. Juniper is the best wood of all for steaming, so that makes it easy. But birch and juniper is the, the choice now. If you're buying uh, snowshoes from a Factory, like if you want to go to Outdoor Hot or Canadian Tire or somewhere that they buy pure snowshoes, they're probably made out of ash or hickory or something like that. Hickory, I think, is probably one of the one of the most famous ones for for manufactured snowshoes. But locally in Newfoundland, I, I think most I don't I, actually I don't know a whole lot of people who actually make them out of wood. Hmm. Most of the people I know who make snowshoes make them out of the wire. Yeah, they use the dragger twine with the wire. They wrap the wire. They wrap, wrap the wire in rubber, and then they tie tie the. Uh, I guess that keeps the rust that away from the string, and that they're, they're great and strong. I just don't like them. Right. You know, I've got preference in their wood. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like like boats. I like wooden boats. I don't like fiberglass ones. <laughs> of course, yeah. You know. Now you were so, saying that juniper as well is uh, very hard. It's uh, juniper is. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize that juniper is the hardest wood that grows in Newfoundland. The very hardest. Although you you go in the woods and cut it down, it's a, it it looks like a you know usually you go looking for hardwood and you're looking for trees with leaves, broad leaves, and that on them. But juniper is a is a needle tree, but it is a is a it's a hardwood tree, mm-hmm. very hardwood. And is there a difference between the birch and the juniper in terms of weight? I would say not enough to make a, a significant difference, but I think the one is dried. I think the birch is probably a bit lighter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now you all you also have made some snowshoes using PVC pipe. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, did. I, I learned how to make. A, a, every now and again, I think I invent something. See, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking at a piece of PVC pipe at the store one day, and I says, "Geez, I wonder would that be strong enough for a snowshoe?" So then I come home and I I start experimenting with steaming it, and I'm having all kinds of trouble to get it's like. It steams, you put it in the steamer, and all of a sudden, a, a hard piece of pipe like that is like a shoelace. <laughs> but by the time you try to get it in the mold, he's cooled off so fast that you can't get it in there. Now, now once, he, once he takes a bend, if you make a, a false move coming to the steam box, just well throw that in the garbage because you can't fix that no more. So anyway, I kept that and I, I, I made the molds, and I, I started getting a little bit of success. And then I said to myself one day, Jesus, I, I, I must, this must be an invention. i got to start showing this to people. But then I found out on the internet there was thousands of people. <laughs> so, so then I learned, uh, I was watching one internet show, and Buddy was selling what was sand. He wouldn't, he wouldn't steam the, the pipe. He'd, he'd plug off one end, and he'd hot the sand. 
on the stove and they poured the sand into the, and that made them, said, you know, the, the sand took a long time to, to heat it up to put it real soft, it took a long time. So then I came up with, then I invented something else. <laughs> I invented, I said, okay, if I put them in my steam box and fill them up with water, plug both ends, then the water inside, that'll keep them hot enough for me to, to bend them. Worked out perfect. But somebody else had did them before me. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you got a job to be an inventor those days because somebody always got it done. And that was Edwin Bishop, snowshoe maker, boat builder, and great storyteller. Thanks to him for sitting down with me and explaining all about traditional snowshoes. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.